Welcome to Vitals and Vision, Healthcare Leadership Insights with Relias. We're a leading provider of healthcare education and workforce enablement solutions, and together, we'll explore pressing industry challenges and valuable insights from healthcare experts. Our guests will inspire you with knowledge and new approaches to empower your organization's success today and tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to the Vitals and Vision podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steiner, a partner for Behavioral Health Solutions at Relias. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the critical aspects of onboarding and retention in healthcare. I'm speaking with Vince Baera, a principal of post-acute care at Relias. He started his career at the Cleveland Clinic and Duke University as a cardiothoracic ICU nurse then moved around working as an ICU nurse in more than 15 hospitals across the U.S. and Virgin Island. He then went on to become lead faculty member at Central Nursing College, and after years of consulting, he switched to the business side of healthcare and now works at Relias. He's also co-authored a book, The Nurse's Guide to Innovation, and also develop proprietary assistive devices for seniors aging in place. Vince, tell us a little bit about that before we jump into our discussion. So I saw my own grandparents fall getting in and out of bed. And of course, my time at the bedside working with seniors, I thought, geez, there's got to be a tool to help people in and out of bed. So I created what I believe is the best bedside step out there for older adults or anyone really with mobility issues. We launched the product five years ago. We have seven issued patents domestically, a number of patents internationally. We've deployed over 60,000 products. We have over 5,000 reviews with a 4.6 out of 5 and have just been thrilled at the way we've been able to help seniors age in place. And so we expanded the line to a mini and an XL version, and then we made a version for the bathtub to get in and out of a tub easily. So it's a fun little business that I've had on the side and have grown for years now and just allows me to serve more folks as they continue to age in place. Ah, that's wonderful. I, my 97-year-old mom lives with us in our house and I'm going to go check it out. Let's do it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's jump into this topic. And of course, we all know workforce shortage, and it's exacerbated by the pandemic. However, your focus or one of your focuses here is really on how you hire, train, and engage employees, because we know that that has a huge effect, just like my shuttle drivers, right, on their engagement and retention. So let's start there. What do employees need to know when in hiring new employees that will help retain them in the organization? Well, I'd love to be able to share a silver bullet with you where you snap your finger, you do this one thing and boom, your problems are solved. But I think the, the biggest thing to keep in mind is you've got to look for small wins in a number of different places, right? Let's get 5% better at our description in our job posts. Let's get 6 or 8% better in the way we communicate quickly with these people when they show interest. Let's get 10% better in the way that we onboard them and the way we level set those expectations, as you mentioned there, Lee, with that story. So there's not a single thing, but the hope is, is that through many things, if you be intentional 
you can start to see some changes that will ultimately lead to a larger long-term effect in terms of the way you source people, the way you onboard them and that experience, right? Because the first impression that I get when I come to your website is going to tell me a lot. Are you up to date? Are you technologically savvy? What kind of experience is everyone else getting? Maybe that's what I'm going to see, right? That's what I'm going to experience. So the first impression matters so much. Then I, I hit apply, right? And now how long is it till I get reached out to? How many times do they need to talk to me before I'm offered a contract, right? Is it easy? Is it seamless? Is that how my job's going to be? Or is it cumbersome and difficult and lengthy and just all the stuff, right? That's not really fun, especially for younger people who really are in this world where so many options, you know, that, that was Uber's big model. Press a button, get a ride. And you hear other companies emulate that. And so if I'm used to that experience, but when I apply with you, it's way different. Well, you know, I, I already feel like this is going to take a long time, right? And so it's just about being very intentional, being very honest with the way you're doing things today, and then really refining each aspect to try to add up to that great long-term result. It, it sounds like one of the things you're saying is an organization should focus at some level on what age group, I mean, is it the Gen Z group? Is it whatever group you're trying to attract? Because we probably all respond at some level to different kinds of recruitment? Not necessarily, right? Because efficiency and time savings will never go out of style. And if you are applying, Lee, the same as if I or somebody younger than I applying, and it was totally seamless and easy, we would both love it. Yeah. And so it's not so much about I need to make you know, the description read for an older adult or a middle-aged person or a younger person, that maybe might not change quite as much. Uh, I do think you need to be in intentional about who you're attracting and be honest. But I think in general, you need to tighten up the process. You need to make it simpler, easier, and, you know, less things up front as barriers. Right. And, and then more clarity through the process. So, you know, again, it's it kind of goes back to that direct to consumer model, right? With the products that I sell on the side is you got to make it as seamless as possible, right? I want to preemptively answer your questions. I want to get you interested. So you get you on the phone or you hit apply or add to cart or whatever the case. And then we'll, we'll keep diving through and keep explaining and keep getting you there, right? So it's one step at a time. We don't want that first step to be a giant leap. The first step needs to be a baby step. And then a little further, right? And a little faster. And let's keep that momentum we got. Yeah. So you've talked about, dive in a little deeper there. Hiring, training, engaging employees. How do you do that? How do you do it right? What are some of the best practices? Well, let's let's step back and take it in steps, right? Because yes. the first step is, is hiring. Now, I know people listening are going to say, Vince, you know how tough staffing is right now? I can't get anybody. If anybody has a pulse, we'll take them, right? I hear that all the time, and I am empathetic to that. I realize that in some circumstances, you got to take what you can get because the census man is going to be watching to make sure you got enough people on the floor. And you'd rather have somebody there doing an okay job than somebody not at all. So I, first and foremost, I want everyone to know I acknowledge that. But with that said... 
again, let's just take it in steps. And this goes back to my nursing days, right? When you evaluate someone, you just go head to toe, right? What's this? What's that? What's that? Where's the problem, right? And so let's take it in steps. The first step is your job listing. People care as much about the why and the mission as they do the pay. Sure, the pay has to be competitive. And I want to go a step deeper for our audience because everybody on the call's company has a mission statement, right? Two, maybe three sentences that says that big North Star goal. But what I really think what sets the winners apart from the losers is a vivid vision. What I mean by that is being able to explain and project out where the organization's going, not just in a one or two sentence thing. Hey, we're working to make sure that all of our residents have X, Y, and Z. We're working to create an environment where diversity, equity, inclusion is the the front and center thing. We're working to do these three things, right? Whatever the case may be, explaining those things in the job post is going to connect with somebody, right? It's going to make me feel like that's where they're going, even if you're a few years out, even if you don't have the approach nailed down with how you're going to get there. If I've defined as an organization, the executive leadership specifically, if I've defined these things and I can teach them down through the organization, now the recruiters know where we're going. Now that the hiring manager knows where we're going. Now when that person gets hired and their mentor is talking to them, they know where we're going. So it's about creating a bit of a vivid vision that says where the organization needs to be in the coming years. And you use that as a blueprint to communicate through the staff, through your vendors, and through the people you're hiring. So when I read a job post and it says, not only are we going to give you competitive pay, we're going to give you all these benefits so we can at least match what the other guys are doing. But look at all this other stuff we're doing. We're working to get here. We're working to get there, right? And it's kind of parsed out per segment of the business, right? So you've got your resident care, you've got your amenities, you've got the facilities, you've got all the different aspects of what the organization striving to do. So first and foremost is you got to make sure that description, the first thing someone's going to see when they're scrolling through Indeed or whatever other job board they're looking at to try to find a home, you got to make sure that it speaks to them, right? And nobody cares more about that than younger people because we've been fortunate enough to live in a society where we've got options and the ability on our phone to just start looking around, start swiping left or right, start figuring out what's out there that's going to fit for us, right? And so you've got to make sure that you're going to speak to me and you're going to catch me. You're going to hook me, right? You're going to get me interested. So step one, get your job post right. Get your hiring team to really make sure that thing is dialed in and that way people are, are interested. The next thing is when I click apply, what's the process? organizations need to be real with themselves. Is there five other steps where I've got to hit a button, click next, go next, fill this out, check here, drop down. That's too much. Hit a button, get a ride, right? Hit a button, get a call. You hit this, you automatically get a text. Now, what organizations right now can leverage, you know, predictive learning, AI models, chat GPT, this stuff's moving at a a feverish pace in the market. I'm personally working with numerous companies that are implementing tool sets that automate this communication. Now, Vince, that's not personal enough. Yeah, but you've got to do less with or got to do more with less these days, right? So are you leveraging as an organization technology to go quicker, right? How are you doing that? 
if I hit a button and the next thing is I get a text from the organization saying, hey, we just saw you applied. Click this link to schedule a call. We want to talk to you. We're excited, right? We, we want to connect with somebody, right? It's got to be about connecting with them that then gets them interested because the specs, I already read the specs, the job, the pay, the hours, the day shift, night shift. I already read that. Now I got to connect to see if I think you and I are a good fit. So are you streamlining that? My goal and what I teach people, especially with millennials and younger folks, is the five touch rule. And the faster you can have five touches, when I say a touch, I mean a communication with an individual. First touch is boom, you, you get a text from me. Hey, when are you free? Boom, the next one is a quick call. We're not diving into everything. I want to just do a quick 15 minute call, right? What happens when you open YouTube and that advertisement's playing and that little skip button comes in the bottom right, right? How often is your thumb right there over top of it that the, the minute you can skip, you're ready to move on, right? We're an immediate, we're an immediate society where we want those answers. And so I don't want that first call to be an hour. I just want it to be like five to 15 minutes. The same whenever I speak to executives, I don't say, can I get 30 minutes on your calendar? I say, I want to, can I get two to five minutes? I don't need to cover everything with you. I just want to take that next step with you, right? So that first call is, or first touch is the text. The next touch, maybe a very quick call. The next touch is back and forth email. Hey, send me this, send me this. I'm going to reply with that. Click a button, get a ride. Confirm it, you got it. Boom, we're on to the next stage. Now maybe each interaction is slightly longer, right? And so be honest with yourself. Is that the way your onboarding works? Is it seamless? Is it quick? Are you getting those first five touches within 48 hours? That seems fast, but when I'm unemployed, you bet your butt I want to get onboarded quickly, Yeah. right? It's also going to show me that you got your stuff together as an employer, that if I'm going to ask you for something or you're going to ask me for something, I'm not going to wait, you know, three to five days to get a response, right? And so you're all, the whole time you're, engaging with this person, you're closing them. Every step of the engagement from the employer mm-hmm. side is a closing action. And so the better you can be at portraying what the long-term experience will be, the more likely that person is to buy in that, geez, this company, they, they fit me, they get me, they care about me, right? They want to take that next step quick. And so there's lots of things that you can do. That's building out the description. Next is the, those touches and the way you engage with people. And then you transition to the actual onboarding, right? So then maybe you've got them to a place, everybody signs the form. You say, great, you're in our next orientation class. It starts on Monday. We can't wait to have you. Here's what to bring, right? And so maybe you've started to automate some of that, that legwork. Oh, Vince, that's great. I mean, those are such wonderful, handy guides for Anybody, as we listen to it, think about hiring individual. I love those five touches. That's really a good uh, model to keep on your bulletin board. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me, and maybe we should just jump into the orientation part of it then. I'm excited to hear the next step. So let's go ahead. I think there's that fine line between sharing the truth, which is the good, the bad, and the ugly versus not scaring someone away, right? Right. So I'm not implying to deceive someone. I'm not implying to withhold 
information from them. But I would rather someone tell me there's going to be rough days. You're going to have family members that yell at you. You're going to have patients who forget you. You're going to have people around you that ultimately don't make it. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be emotionally taxing. That's why we're looking for the right person. And that's why we want to make sure that if you're going to start working with us, that you you know there's going to be tough days. But boy, let me tell you about the good ones. And let me tell you about all the benefits of this job, the relationships you're going to build, the friendships, the way that you can empower people, the way you can give them a voice, the way that you can serve somebody when they're at their most vulnerable moment and how that's going to fulfill you. Because you can't get that from flipping a burger. You can't get that from giving somebody an Uber ride. So we hope that you're going to stay on with us, even though we know going in, there's going to be some tough days, right? But just know we're going to be a family. You can come to us. We've got support tools. We've got ways that you can get help if you need it, right? So I want to first and foremost, really be real with somebody, right? Doesn't that feel good, Lee, whenever I I sit and I tell you the good, the bad, the ugly? At least you know what you're working with. Right. Yes. Not that, hey, I'm going to get stuck working a double because, you know, second shift didn't show up and that's not fair. Right. And so there's there's a, a, a craftiness in terms of presenting this in a way that feels OK versus scaring somebody off. But I think you've got to be upfront with people. And again, there's a, approaches to do this the right way and approaches to do this the wrong way. I think the wrong way is to not tell them or to sugarcoat it right? because most of us. Yeah. I I heard about, I've heard about a concept called job previewing, which sounds a bit like what you're talking about to make sure that the person at some point in time of the hiring process. And I guess in some level orientation is also, if you find out you don't fit in the orientation process, it's better to leave them than it is to leave, you know, six months later. But that job previewing is that concept that you're talking about is that you really do have an idea of what the job is going to be about. Yeah. And I think it goes back to when's the right time to do that. Yes. Because if you do it too early and they go, ah, I'm not interested. Well, that's deflating. If you do it too late, then you've invested a bunch of resources and they've gotten further down the path and boom, you know, at this point we've wasted time and money when we we could have weeded these people out. And I think that goes back to being intentional, right? About who you're speaking to, the individual you're trying to attract is that, you know, there's a saying that the best art divides the audience. And in terms of the approach and in terms of the environment, by being intentional and sharing what the job will be along with what the the team, the company is, you should turn some people away. But it, in turn, should draw people in closer, right? It's that that old adage that if you're just trying to appease everyone, you're just too boring, right? Is that you really got to take some strong stances. And some people will go, I'm on board with that. And other people are going to go, nah, it's not for me, right? But geez, I'd rather do that than three months in after I spent all that time and money. And so I do think you have to be intentional with what you're presenting, how you're presenting it, but being upfront and real with people. Now, To go a step further, let's pretend we've done all that. We've got the right person. We've got the right people on the bus. They're interested. They're excited. They're starting. Next, I want to go a step further, right? Let me be intentional about how I'm communicating. Here's the kicker, Lee. With each person, right? Let me say that again. 
Let's be intentional about how we communicate with each person. Vince, we have 20 people in our class. That's too hard. Figure it out. You better or else your competitor down the street's going to figure it out and they're going to eat your lunch. And so what do I mean by that? Is this an auditory learner, a visual learner, a kinesthetic learner? When they reply to me, do they say, I hear what you mean? They're saying they're auditory. I see what you're getting at. Visual, right? I feel what I feel you on that. Kinesthetic, right? So how are we presenting information to these people as we're onboarding them? You know, especially younger people, right? They care more about this stuff than other older adults that they weren't brought up with the same um, options. I hate to say it from my experience. And so I just think that when you're onboarding somebody, be intentional. Listen to how they're replying. Try to craft your material. So if they're an auditory learner, there's an option to consume it that way. If they're a visual learner, boom, you got it handy for them on a pen and paper penciled out, right? So on and so forth. So some of these small things, they just go such a long way. And it's so hard when you're busy. And again, I want to empathize with our audience. I get that you're working your butts off and you're busy. And Vince, this is so hard to do. But it's crucial. And just the last thing, Lee, to round out that point that I think really makes a difference is, again, we talked about that immediate gratification society, right? I want to get to the very, I want to hit skip on that ad just as quickly as I can and get to the next thing. It's so hard for somebody when they say, hey, you're going to get hired at 15 bucks an hour and good news, you're going to be eligible for a raise this time next year. Whoa, this time I got to wait a year to get growth. Instead, I want to paint a picture, especially during the orientation, especially during the hiring process of that career ladder. I want to paint a picture about where we're going to support you, right? Because you're not here to serve me. You're not even here to serve the, the, the patients, the residents. We're here to serve you. Now, in our minds, we know that this person has to take care of these residents, these, these patients. But I want that person feeling like they're my number one. And in turn, if I support them well, then they're going to support that client well, that patient well. And so it's a very difficult thing to do because it takes your ego. You have to take your ego out of it. When you're hiring, when you're the manager, it feels like, well, wait, why am I succumbing to your approach? You should, you're, you're getting hired here. You got to succumb to our approach. Now, I'm not saying change every rule in your book to make everybody happy. What I'm saying is be on their side and let them know you're here to support them and their growth. That, yeah, the patient care stuff, we'll, we'll get to that. That's going to come. I want to see you succeed. So what does that mean? I've got to get to know every single person because what's important to Lee might be that she can spend time with her family and her grandkids. What's important to Vince is that I can get off on Thursdays because I play beach volleyball and I want to make sure that I've got plenty of time to, to meet up with my friends. If you don't know that, you can't tailor your, you know, your uh, approach to meet each person's need. And then to build off of that, I think 90 day goal setting is another thing that's very hard to do from a time perspective that is crucial to do with your team. So every 90 days, I know I'm sitting down with Lee and we're going to talk about where you were, where you're going and what's important to you. 
And those are the kinds of things that are going to help me as a new employee feel like, geez, I don't got to wait till next year. Now, again, it doesn't mean I get a raise every 90 days, but hey, Vince, you do a good job your first 90, we're going to get you into our CNA2 program. You do a good job your second 90, we're going to see if you're eligible for medication management program. You do good that third one, well, boom, you're really going to hit our next pay tier because you got these three other certifications, right? Now I see a path. Now I don't got to wait a year. I can wait 90 days and I know that you're listening to me and you've taken the time to get to know me. So again, hate to be long-winded, but I, I wanted to just keep going as I was on a roll there. That was great. You know, one of the things that I hear you doing, which is so fascinating, is turning on its head this allegation that really the younger workforce today is so much um, more um, unreliable than the older workforce. I mean, so when I joined, as as you sort of say, when I joined you know, I didn't have um, uh, social media that I could go easily sort of find 10,000 other jobs and sort of compare them. Uh, there was a particularly difficult time I remember in one of my jobs and somebody said, well, don't quit over that. You know, don't look at any other place. And I certainly would have had I thought that there were other opportunities. But you are really turning that on its head and saying this is um, this is a good thing because it forces organizations to really invest, not just take for granted, but invest in the human capital that they hire and onboard and train and rely on for their for their sustenance, for their work to carry out the mission. I think that's so critical and important. Well, we all can we all know the stats about the staff shortage in healthcare. And we all know it's, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it will continue to do that. And so if you're not willing to invest today, I've heard it said the most expensive phrase in business is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Yes. So are you asking yourself that? Are we evolving? Are we changing? Are we pushing ourselves? Are we stretching ourselves? Because the audience today is different than it was five years ago. And it's moving faster. The audience in two years will be even different than where it is today. And as we keep going, it's like that hockey stick that's really taken off, right? And so technology is moving so fast. And because there's such a shortage, I don't need to stay. I know in healthcare, I can go down the street and they're going to give me a sign-on bonus, right? And so it is very difficult. No two ways around it. But you're right. Investing in the human capital and doing the small things will keep people there, right? Because it's about the relationships most times in jobs when we're ready to quit that we don't. Well, gosh, I work with my good friend and geez, we have just such a good team, right? And those are reasons I've stayed at jobs is that you love the people you work with, but geez, sometimes management, they just don't get it, right? And so how do you get management to say, hey, we want to serve you as our, as our employee, right? Not you serve the patient not you serve us, we want to serve you. And it, it does take some humility from the leaders who have ascended to their position and they, they don't always have that. And that's the number one reason when you look at why people leave jobs. One, they feel that their boss is incompetent or they've been disrespected. 
Two, they don't have a lot of freedom to kind of make decisions on the fly, still within the confines of the care delivery that that's needed for safe patient care. But you have some of these things that go wrong. And just a small tip on disrespecting people, as I always say, is if you're going to address a group and you've got somebody, say Lee did a great job today, and I'm talking to a big group, I want to praise specifically to Lee in front of everyone. Guys, I want to call out Lee. She did awesome today because X, Y, and Z. But if Lee did poorly and I want to make a point and I'm talking to a group, I better not call you out individually, right? So if I'm going to criticize, it's going to be generally. Say, guys, I just want to call something out. We've seen a few of you make this mistake, do this thing that we shouldn't have done. I want everybody to make sure we're not doing that, right? But if I say that, Lee did this thing today, guys, and she really put her, you know, made a big mistake. Lee's out the door. She, her men, she is like, I am gone. Right. And so praise specifically criticize generally. Right. And that's sometimes one of those small mistakes that you don't even realize you're doing. You think, well, let me use this as a learning moment, but you call someone out. Ooh, that's a bad one. Right. Because geez, we don't want to do anything to get these people to leave. Right. So I I, want to say to folks that our, our audio people may have well stripped out the sound of these tiny voices in the back of um, Vince's office. But Vince has twins. And if you wonder what keeps him young and you wonder what keeps him in tune with uh, today, it's those tiny little voices that uh, help help remind you of that. So Vince, as we come to the end of this, I, I want to ask, outside of those twins, are there other, I mean, you have such knowledge, you have such currency, you have such passion about this issue. Are there personal things? Is there a personal story that relates you, I mean, you've worked at the bedside, you've worked in business, you've worked in academia, you've worked in so many different locations, uh, you've published, um, you have this vast experience. So what what is it about onboarding that is so important that has inspired you to spend some of your professional time in this field? I think the biggest thing is just the ripple effect that I know I can have is if I can work with organizations and 10,000 of them can hear this and 10,000 of them can get 2% better, 5% better, 10% better. It's going to ultimately bring on better staff. It's going to make people happier when they go to their job and they're going to ultimately deliver care to those folks who need it the most. And that was one of the big drives I had at getting away from the bedside into a role like I have now where you can have a greater impact is I don't want to just impact two or three people on a day-to-day thing. I want to go ahead and make sure I'm working with individuals and teams that can ultimately impact hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people, right, for the long term. And maybe some of these teachings can even be passed down. So that's really what motivates me and keeps me hungry for trying to sharpen my tools and help organizations. As we close out, are there any further comments that you want to share with our listeners, something you want to leave with them particularly to have at the top of their mind? I would just challenge folks to be honest with themselves and their approach and know it's going to take a little more work 
if you want to get a little bit better, right? If what you're doing now is working, you're hitting your numbers, there's no issues with onboarding, staff shortage, people are happy, they're not leaving, the turnover rate's best in market, hey, you're doing great. But if it's not, then slow down. Take a look at your processes. Be honest with yourself. Challenge yourself. Vince, it has been totally delightful spending this time with you. Um, thank you for your uh, excitement, your energy, your knowledge. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today. You got it. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vitals and Vision. We hope that we've inspired some actionable strategies to help you create a more supportive work environment and retain top talent in your organization. Remember, success starts with a clear vision and vital strategies. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vitals and Vision, brought to you by Relias. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review. Feel free to share this episode with others. It really helps. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at vitalspodcast at go.relias.com. Thank you for your continued support. We appreciate you joining us. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep growing.